transgender rights and laws being passed to protect those rights, a whole other minority is getting ignored. Those who've come out of the gay community. 18 former gays, lesbians, and transgenders stood before the U.S. Capitol to proclaim they're real, despite a culture that denies such transformation is possible. We've experienced a change in our sexual orientation. Um, some small, some great. I mean, some of us don't experience same-sex attraction anymore. And yet, everywhere you go, you hear that's utterly impossible. Not for this former homosexual, now father of four. I don't ever get sexually aroused by looking at a man. That hasn't happened in years. But House Bill 3570 says therapy similar to what helped Ken Williams and many of these leave the lifestyle can't do that. It proclaims there is no evidence that conversion therapy is effective or that an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity can be changed by conversion therapy. Williams worries such a bill would forbid the counseling he insists saved his life by calling all of it conversion therapy. At 17 years old, I was suicidal. I started seeing a Christian counselor who I saw weekly for five years. And uh, it changed my I mean, That was the last day I felt suicidal. Pastor Jim Doman says similar counseling helped him go from gay guy to heterosexual husband and dad. But HR 3570 brands such therapy toxic, saying it is substantially dangerous to an individual's mental and physical health. Doman, of course, disagrees. These bills would not only prohibit it, it's almost like we'd have to go underground to seek help. And it breaks my heart when you hear the stories of people who've been sexually abused, people who are suicidal, people going through depression and seeking help, or they want to go in a different direction. That would not be, um, would be very, very difficult, if not impossible to do. Many here are Christians who also give God the credit for their radical change. Elizabeth Woning brought a warning for a culture that would reject that power and instead embrace what the Bible says is toxic. We are denying our own biology. We are hating ourselves. We have higher rates of mental illness and suicide. The farther Christianity gets out of the mainstream, the more broken we're becoming in America. Well, God bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. What a mouthful. The farther we take Christianity out of mainstream, the more broken we become here in America. And we are seeing the the very fabric of our nation being destroyed because of this LGBTQ mentality, this uh, wanting to be uh, liked and uh, abandon biblical truth. One of the things you'll find out as you study is the uh, ancient philosophers would, would always, always temper passions, feelings, emotions through truth. Truth never changes. Truth objectively uh, appreciated and acknowledged will guide your passions. That's always been true. The Word of God, the conversion therapy that they're saying doesn't work. Here you have, here you have a a slew of people that that are confirming what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse nine through eleven. That. They're washed, they're cleansed, they're, they're free from this, okay? Some are in the process of sanctification and moving towards um, uh, really becoming 100% free in the sense of feelings and emotions, but they know that they're free and they know that they're washed in the spirit, in their mind. They, they know these things. And so when we start looking at um, this toxic law of God, and this is, this is one of the things that, that the, the far left... Okay, we're going to use the far left. What do I mean by the far left? Those that have abandoned the 
Bible, those that have abandoned the, the Judeo-Christian value system of family, husband and wife, children, uh, man and woman. I don't care if I don't care if uh, a president comes out and says that uh, you know if two people love each other, two people love each other, they then if they they can be together and they call it marriage. It doesn't matter. Marriage between a man and a woman is God's institution. It's God's idea. Okay, and it's God's it's God's plan and purpose for man and woman and um, the perversion of it is really, really disturbing because it's crept into the church and it's crept into the ideology where, you know, like I said, I I deal with Christians all over the place. And you know what? They don't have a problem with, with gay Christians. They don't have a problem. See, I don't have a problem with people. I have a problem with the ideology being accepted as biblical, theological, and truth. You know, it's not. It's not. And we're, we'll get into we'll get into all this. Much of, much of what they have done to the gospel, much of what they've done to the Bible, is what you call interpolation. Now, what is interpolation? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Interpolation means that they will take what is written, rewrite it, interpret, not interpret, but interpolate. And what they'll do is they'll put their own thoughts, their own concepts. It's a deeper form. It's a it's a more evil form of um, eisegesis. Okay, because what they'll do is they'll rewrite something the way they want it to be written so that it can say something different that's interpolating. Okay, you got much of these scholars, much of these scholars in, in uh, that, that, that support gay and LGBTQ theology. Okay, that write books on the acceptance of this behavior is, or these passions, I should say. Um, they they interpolate, okay? They can't because they, what they want to do is they want to make the Bible say something that it doesn't say, so they interpolate, okay? I said Jesus means that they're bringing their ideas and forcing them on the scripture, and they're not really preaching scripture; they're preaching their ideas. They're eisege they're eisegeticking the scriptures where you have writers that will interpolate. They'll read a scripture and then they'll rewrite it in a way to where it'll pass on an idea that is not in the intention of the writer. So you have this and you and they push this through, through colleges. I'll show that to you in a bit as I move through this podcast. But again, the 11th commandment Christian readily readily accepts the interpolations, the rewriting of scripture, okay? The rewriting of of the conservative. Now, what do I mean by conservative? Those that conserve the biblical truth those that hold on to proper hermeneutics, those that hold on to proper doctrines, those that hold on to uh, generational teachings, traditions of the church that are biblically based, okay? Those are important, like marriage. A marriage ceremony is a tradition of the church, but it's biblically based. You hold on to those, okay? You got marriage throughout the entire Bible. And the interpolation of the Bible that, is, that has been done by the culture through these far left um, uh, educators and, and doctors and, you know, doctors of theology. What does that mean anymore? Okay. Did you get a doctorate degree? That means if you're in the far left, you just know a lot of things and you know a lot of things that are wrong. Okay. I mean, you got this alternative knowledge, this alternative reality. 
The reality is you're a man or a woman. That's your reality. And so they want to take you out of that. I heard this one statement uh, over the weekend that kind of made me laugh when they said that keep your theology out of my biology. Well, if you have no theology, you have no biology. If you have no God, you have no man. If you have no God, you have no woman. If you have no God, you have no universe. So when you start looking at making arrogant, atheistic statements as a Christian, keep your theology out of my, my biology, you, you, you really run a risk of exposing the ignorance and the theological um, understanding that you should have fundamentally as a Christian. That God made man and woman. That we are theonomous. We are under God's law. We're not autonomous under our own law or our law unto ourselves. And so when we start understanding that, when we start reincorporating that into our culture, into our church life again, into our family life again, that we serve God, that we walk with God, then we, 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 we jump ahead of the crowd. We, we preserve our families. We build strong families again. We build strong marriages again. So when I start looking at, at this idea, and the reason I brought this, this prelude um, on today about transformation is because many people in the church believe that the gospel is oppressive. That the gospel, the laws of God, are toxic. And now you even have politicians that are writing, writing laws or trying to get laws passed that would prohibit the word transformation. Because if you force or you teach that people can change, then you're oppressing them. And they even said, I mean, this was hilarious. They even said in the prelude that... Um, that conversion therapy doesn't work or change, trying to change your emotions, trying to change your feelings, trying to change, uh, because don't forget, one of the tricks of this LGBTQ is to make, to make uh, homosexuality a, a gender. It's not a gender, okay? It's not a gender, okay? They try to make it a gender. They try to, they, they try to make it kind of like ethnicity try to make it black or white like part of you and you can't change who you are and they give you they give you all these alternative uh alternative uh um ideologies that push you away from the biblical truth and again the rules of interpolation okay interpolation where they'll write things and then rewrite them to redirect your information so they'll use a scripture and they'll 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 write it all wrong. They use eisegesis where they put their ideas on or their spin on the scripture. And when they write their books, they'll misquote things and misinterpolate or they'll interpolate incorrectly to insert an idea that, that's just not there. You find that with Matthew Vines. He's the he's the poster boy uh, for for the far left or the woke or the gay Christian that is is doing an amazing work in the in the culture because they're showing they're showing that um, that gays can hold positions in church. Well, that that's here nor there in the sense of of where we stand in in the theological structure that we 
believe the word of God is God's word and man is for man, man is for woman and woman is for man. And then we move from the biblical Genesis um, account of cre creation. And so when I look at the creation, when I look at the biblical account and I look through the lenses of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, and there is my, there's my model, then I understand Sodom and Gomorrah. I understand God's condemning of homosexuality as unnatural. I did a podcast on that a couple weeks ago, okay, as a severe as a severe disorder against creation. It's a disorder. And what they're trying to say is it's order. That it's vile and it warranted death. In fact, if you look at the Mosaic Law, you, you died from homosexuality. Okay? You know, you can't get out of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. So you, you have to understand, you have to, you have to understand how God feels about this, uses the strong word abomination. That means making him sick. And when you look at the law of Moses, you know, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you look at the Seventh Commandment, which is the ornament of the commandments because it protects. It's the guardrail against homosexuality, LGBTQ, and all the other genders that they want to try to, you know, you know, bring you into with their alternate reality. But if you really look at it, there's no gay gene. There's no great gay chromosome. So when they do an autopsy, when you die, they're not going to say, that, oh, he was LGBTQ. Oh, he was, that, that was a gay man based on his DNA. No. They're going to say that was a man, that was a woman. I don't care what you, I don't care if you transgender, I don't care what you do, you're going to come back. I don't care if you try to change the color of your skin, they're going to be able to see within your DNA that was a black man, that was a Hispanic man, that was a Caucasian man or Caucasian woman. Your DNA, because your biology is given to you by God. Your biology is sacred. Your, your, your ethnicity is sacred. It's given to you by God. You've got to stay within the biblical context. And they're constantly trying to pull you out of there. So when you start looking at adultery, when you start looking at, when you start looking at um, uh, why it's there in the seventh commandment to protect the family, to protect the institution that God created, is law. Is law. You know, so when you start looking at, at the sins that were forbidden, that's why the seventh commandment is there. To make sure that man and woman got married, to make sure that man and women and the family would procreate and it would and it would create a what we will call a multiplication of families and a multiplication of marriage and a multiplication. So God's verdict on homosexuality is, is inexplicably clear. You can't go anywhere and say, well, God, unless you interpolate. Unless you eisegesis. And that's what these people are absolutely great at doing. And so God's verdict on homosexuality is, is there. You can't, you, can't, you can't make it say something else unless you start twisting things. Unless you start rewriting things. Okay, Throughout Leviticus we see God's absolute standard for purity. I mean, it's there. In the sexual realm, one may not profane 
profanely use the creation of God. So here again, what God created, don't don't profanely misuse it. Okay. Uncovering the nakedness of a man, woman, or beast indiscriminately—that's an abuse. Sexual relations must be conducted within the God-given boundaries. So that's what—that's what this 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 God's law does. It governs. Don't forget what God's law did, because don't forget God God built a God God brings a nation out of Egypt. He puts laws above it. And then he builds a tabernacle and he gives rules. That's what Leviticus is for. It gives rules of governing the house of God, governing governing family, governing relationships within the context of the tabernacle or the context of the priesthood. So when you start looking at God's law, it's not toxic. It's not oppressive. And the reason I opened this this podcast up today with the idea of transformation is because when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 6 verse 9 okay when you look there you you see a very clear picture of transformation you got two you got history of 2000 years of documentation when Paul writes because that I mean Matthew Vines says Paul Matthew Vines in his book uh, the gay christian he writes, and he says that that um, Paul didn't understand. Paul didn't understand homosexuality. That's one of the big things. Paul, Paul don't understand these things. Okay, that God don't understand that this is a new phenomenon. That this is something new that the church is facing. <laughs> Cut it out. You talk about interpolating. You talk. You talk about. You talk about eisegesis. It's different than than exegesis. Watch what watch watch what Paul writes, okay? About this again, conversion therapy. Watch what Paul writes about these situations, these cultural ills. Don't forget, the book of Corinthians is a book, or the letter to the Corinthians, these are what you call situational letters. Things that are happening. So he's addressing issues, he's addressing things, he's addressing people's conditions, he's addressing and giving doctrine on how to fix things. Watch what he says here. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So there's a difference between righteous and unrighteous. Akadikos. Aka meaning away from. Dikos meaning righteousness. That which is not righteous opposed to that which is righteous. That which is dikos. Okay, this umbrella of righteousness, and then he gives an umbrella of unrighteousness. He's going to tell you what's under the umbrella of unrighteousness. Watch this. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. How straightforward is that? How, how, how misleading is Paul? He's not. He's direct. I want to read, I'm going to read something else to you from Dr. Johnson. I believe that's what his name is. That, um, that, that he has his idea of interpreting scripture. He has his idea on how they come to their conclusions. But listen to what Paul says. He says, he says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor nor homosexual, nor homosexual homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Watch this, here's the key. Again, Paul doesn't leave you there. 
He doesn't give you these, these categories or these ills that are affecting humanity and just drop it there. He says this. He says, as such were some of you. Now watch this. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. This is important for you to understand because you know, if you read John, John says, you are washed by the words I speak to you. The washing of the word, the, the renewing of the mind, the, the re-driving out of bad passions, bad emotions, bad thinking, replacing it, tearing down strongholds in the minds and hearts of people. That's work. That's, that's, that's conversion therapy in action right there. Paul says, but you went through the therapy of the word of God. You went through the washing of the word. You went through the cleansing of your mind. You went through this purification process. But you were sanctified. That means you were separated. You, you, you turned your back on certain emotions and feelings. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So we're talking about putting the Word of God, the activity of the Spirit of God, in action to move you from what you were to what you are in Christ. So when you start looking at when you start looking at you know how did the world how 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 in the world this this abomination of homosexuality and sodom sodomy and the LGBTQ mentality and the eleventh commandment get into the church I'll show you this there's a case study by uh, Dr Timothy uh, Luke Dr Luke Timothy Johnson a professor listen to what he says. Okay, he says, consider the case, okay, New Testament scholar, and New Testament scholar and professor. This is what I mean. Okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm pushing at. It doesn't matter who, what institution you go to, you must check your teachers. He says, the New Testament scholar and professor who had, who had a change of heart regarding the Bible and homosexual practice. He had a change of heart. In other words, he changes perspectives. He says, but he states that the scriptural testimony is clear. The task demands intellectual honesty, he writes. I have little patience with the efforts to make scripture say something other than what it says. Through appeals to, to, appeals to linguistic and cultural subtleties. The exegetical situation is straightforward. We know what the text says. Listen, we know what the text says. This is from scholarship, but he had a change of heart away from the text. Now this, now again, these, this is why these institutions are dangerous. This is why it's dangerous because they hold pulpits. They teach the next pulpiteers. They teach the next pastors. Watch what he says here, okay? They know what the text says. What a candid admission. We know what the Bible text says about homosexual practice. And it's clearly prohibited in scripture. That's what, again, you can't fight that. That's what I mean. If you stay in the script, you blow them away. They don't want to stay in the script. They want to stay, they want to get into their emotions and they want to live out of empirical knowledge. They want to live out of experience, expression observation I feel I think I've been through my experiences tell me watch what he says he explains we must state our grounds for standing in in the tension with the clear commands of Scripture and include in those grounds some basis in Scripture itself to avoid this task 
is to put ourselves in the very position that other insist we already occupy, okay? That of liberal despisers of the tradition of the church sacred writings. People who have no care for the shared symbols that define us as Christians. If we see ourselves as liberal, then we must be liberal in the name of the gospel and not as so often has been the case. Liberal despite the gospel. Liberal despite the gospel. You know, forsaking certain things, traditions. They're not conserved. They're not going to conserve the truth and how to interpret the truth. They want to break away from this. This is in college, guys and gals. This is when you decide to go to your, your liberal institutions. Watch this. It says this. But what if what if this means rejecting the Bible clearly what the Bible clearly teaches in the name of the gospel? Professor Johnson writes, I think it's important to state clearly that we do, in fact, reject the straightforward commands of scripture. We reject commandment, straightforward commands of scripture. There you have it. There you have it. But what do they replace the rejection of scripture with? Okay. Listen to this. We appeal explicitly to the weight of our own experiences and the experience thousands others have witnessed to do, which tells us that to claim our own sexual orientation is in fact to accept the way God created us. Do you know that the Pope, do you know for all those that have have that have held Catholicism to its highest form and they obeyed the Pope? Well, the Pope, the Pope um, had had uh, received a confession from a from a gay from a gay Christian, and he came to he came to uh, confess his sin. And you know what the Pope says? Don't worry about it. That's the way God made you. Experience, feelings, emotions. It's it's infiltrated everywhere. It's what you call the dark church or the deep church, the deep message of the church. Those that are trying to convert the church. There's a wonderful book out there by by Lucas Miles called "The Left Christian." That that um, I want I want to help you um, dig deeper into why this is all happening. Okay, and some of the concerns and how did they get there? How how does how does the church how does the church get infiltrated so quickly and so so deep? That even our doctrines, our institutions, our, our our educational systems are full of it. I mean, you got a teacher that says, "Yeah, you got to deny you got to deny the scriptures." We turn our back on scriptures so that we can live out of our feelings and our emotions and our personal experiences. We got to deny what Paul says. We got to deny what what, what we got to deny Sodom and Gomorrah. We got we got to deny all these things. Listen to this. Lucas Miles says this, The strong moral division within the church might lead one to wonder whether the church has moved, moved left. In other words, it's no longer conserving, conserving biblical truths on anything. There's, there are social warrior justices. Okay? They are, they, are, they are gender creators. They are making up their own ideal. They, they are interpolating their own scripture. To justify their existence behind pulpits and within church settings. Watch this. He says, whether the church has moved left or if the left has moved into the church. And I believe that is the case. That the left has moved into the church. We've accepted the critical race theories as biblical. And we try to use scripture. We interpolate. We, we, 
we isolate we Jesus our way into this. We get rid of sound theological concepts of hermeneutics like exegesis where we go into the scripture and we come out of the scripture. They don't like that because it denies human experience because you must follow the text that the word of God is no longer the guide. Our feelings and our emotions are, our experiences are. You heard, you heard, um, you heard Oprah, go ahead and tell your truth. Amen. Tell your truth. Well, you don't have a truth. You have a narrative. Watch this. Regardless, I fear this this is just the beginning of the persecution of the church. But in order for the Christian left to garner a strong foothold among the masses and effectively propagate theological and spiritual enmity within the church and the mainstream church, okay, the mainstream church, it must do two things. Number one, it must create animosity between conservative Christians and liberal Christians. Okay, those that hold on to the biblical theological truths of marriage and family and um husband and wife and don't go into all the social justice warriors and don't go, go go into all those those um cultural things and and uh then you are conserving you are conserving that they want problems between them that's why they 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 get this issue of homosexuality and they put doctrine around it and it's there to drop a grenade in the foxhole of christianity and the, the problem is that you can just go on YouTube and pull um, LGBTQ preachers out. You can you'll, you'll pull Matthew Vines up. Listen to their gospel. Listen to what they say. Listen to, listen to them. It's, a, it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And you have so many Christians that were fundamental, fundamentally sound Christians. They would say, oh, it's so refreshing to hear an educated, an educated, eloquent speaker. Eloquent truths, eloquent lies that lead you to hell. See, this is this is what Paul was warning about false teachers. Matthew Vines is, is classic. Mayor Buttigieg that gets up there as, as a politician. A gay, our first openly gay marriage, my husband, my look, cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Don't bring us into your alternate world of liberalism. The far left that has created no no a reality that theologically and biblically does not exist in the scriptures but they will interpolate in order to create an image of another gospel and this is what i'm teaching the church about this is why i'm teaching this stuff it's not to condemn people that the, the scriptures does that but it's to educate on why we accept things and don't accept things we're not a get-along, go-along gang. We are the body of Christ. That we're guided by the Spirit and we're moved by Scripture. We are. We keep God in our knowledge. And so one of the first tasks they do is they want to create animosity between us and our brother and us and our sister. That's why you had, you. if you look at uh, T.D. Jakes and his Huffington Post interview, look it up, uh, uh, can you be gay and be saved? LGBTQ. Look it up, Huffington Post, T.D. Jakes. You could also look at Carl Lentz. And I know, and, and, and I don't glory in any of, or make fun of anybody that, that fails and, and, and struggled. I, I get it. I get it. They need redemption. And, and, you know, it's not to poke fun, but it's to look at the doctrine. 
Look at what they've said about these things on abortion, on all these things. I mean, Leviticus was Leviticus 18 is is very very clear. Don't give your children to Moloch. Don't don't sacrifice your children. I mean, Carl Lentz was very very much open on the gay gay and homosexual thing. We don't we don't preach we don't preach any of those things. We don't preach against um, or teach on homosexuality. We don't teach on 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 any of the biblical cult doctrinal issues. Because Jesus didn't. Boy, that that's 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 rich. But if you listen to TD Jakes, you see that there is a divide. You see that that we throw hand grenades in our own foxholes of division and how the plan for the far left is has worked in the church. Because we're divided on this thing. Okay? And what does it do? It creates a moral superiority. The second thing it does, it creates a moral superiority among the people and its groups. In other words, what they say is, if you don't love gays, if you don't love, if you don't accept them, guess what happens? You are less than. You are a bigot. You are a homophobe. You are. Get it? You are. You are a xenophobe. You are a homophobe. You are. You are. You are. What do they do? They create animosity and they take. They, they act like they're morally higher than you if you don't accept them. That's a deceptive thing. It's such a deceptive tool of the enemy. And you see it. That's why, that's why when you, know, you hear, you don't even hear preachers preach on this stuff. But they'll say, well, I'm sorry. You know, this is what the Bible says. Not what I say. It's what the Bible says. Don't shoot the messenger. And they start apologizing and back, backdropping. When was the last time you heard a sermon on these topics from your pulpit? to address these issues that are really happening. They don't, because they want to be liked. They want to be in the 11th commandment. They don't want to teach the laws of God, the rule of God, because it's oppressive, it's toxic in their minds. So what they do is they hijack our language. They hijack, they, they shift, they shift our language. Let me give you a few examples. I love what uh, Lucas Miles puts out there. Okay. It says this, the goals are often accomplished by the left by use of spiritual sounding language and references to its good deeds plagiarized from true believers and adopted by the left. So they take some of our great concepts from the Bible and then they plagiarize them. They, they interpolate them linguistically. They flip them in their ideology. Justice, like what I mean is social justice to us means that which is right. In them, that's not what social justice means. <laughs> that's not what they mean. We mean that which is right under the law. That's justice. Everybody gets what's under the law. That's justice. That's not what they mean by that. See, they in, they adopt, they plagiarize, they shift the ideology. See if you recognize some of the common lines of thought from the Christian left. Now watch this. Jesus accepts everybody. No, he doesn't. He didn't accept the rich and the ruler. He says, no, sell all that you have. He tells the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Lest something worse comes upon you. Jesus just didn't accept people the way they came. He went into what? Repentance. What was Jesus' first message? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist, repent. See, we have this, we have this Herodism, Herodian 
theology, okay, that you got to get out of. You can hear it. See, Herod loved John the Baptist up until John the Baptist touched his sin and his and his um, and his adulterous relationship. See, because John the Baptist was protected. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was in the mainstream. People loved John the Baptist. Herod loved John the Baptist. But when John the Baptist spoke about his his adulterous relationship, inappropriate relationship, his extramarital relationship, guess what? The girl got upset on her birthday. She asked for the head of John the Baptist, and he cut off his head. That's the that's that's the culture we're living in right now. See, the church don't care. The world don't care if you come to church. But if you touch their sin, if you touch their issues, if you touch their problems, guess what? Because they don't think they're wrong. You got to understand something. They don't think they're wrong. There's no repentance in their culture. There's no repentance in the LGBTQ. We're just the way we are because we are. Jesus demands conversion and transformation. Watch this. Jesus would never get in the way of, of uh, love between two people. Sound familiar? Jesus was a refugee. Have you heard that one? Jesus accepts foreigners and strangers. God doesn't create walls that prevent us from coming to Him. People need to live their truth. A real Christian accepts everybody. Now these are these are classic examples of truth, of, of, of the left's plagiarizing our language with a different ideology, and then it's pushed out. See, it's a Trojan horse. You all know the story of the Trojan horse, right? We have to we have to come back to understanding that we're in a war, we're in a cultural war within the church, within the church. Because of the academia activity, what they've done with the information, how they interpolate, how they have theology by extrapolation. I'll explain that in another, another podcast. It's a whole different, that's a whole different language and a whole different idea that I, I want to put out there to you. Theology by extrapolation. Okay, and what does that mean? Okay, but there was a there was the um, 2019 Grammy Awards. Okay, and Michelle Obama uttered the word "Amen" again, pulling from the church. Amen. Okay, as Jada Pickett Smith, an inclusionist, asserted. That every voice we hear deserves to be honored and respected. Every voice we hear needs to be. Honored. Are you kidding me? Remember the remember the um, remember the Kavanaugh when they try to uh, when they tried to get uh, Kavanaugh in his proceedings and and uh, they were trying to get him nominated to the uh, Supreme Court and and they were just. You know, bringing all kinds of women up, the Ford lady and all these other people. Every voice must be honored and respected. That's that whole. That's that whole lie. Not every voice should be honored and respected. How about how about all Clinton's all Clinton's stuff and, and every vote? No, they don't even believe it. No, they just bury it all. They bury it. it again. It's propaganda. It's propaganda. It's lies perpetrating as truths. That's what they do. I mean, this this Jada Pinkett Smith, every voice we hear deserves to be respected. No, there's some pretty stupid voices. 
There's some stupid, stupid is what? Knowing what's right and not doing it. Knowing what truth is and abandoning from it. Looking at scripture and pulling away from it. Stupidity. The reference was subtle during a political charged award show. But one couldn't help assume this was a dig towards conservatives and their traditional views on gender identity and illegal immigration. Obama uses holy language. Amen. I felt like I was at church. The Christian left posturing around their Trojan horse version of the Bible reveals not only their leftist tendencies, but more importantly, the little value they place on scripture. For many of the Christian left, the Bible is no longer the word of God and not something to take as authoritative in the work and the life of a Christian. The Christian left has academically downgraded the Bible to merely a story of God, a narrative of man's writings about God. This is what, and this is why we need to talk about this. This is why those that have prescribed and those that listen need answers for this because it's everywhere. It's in your TVs. It's it's in every major megaphone that you have. You can't even you can't even buy pharmaceuticals on every every um uh, infomercial. There's there's a gay guy and uh, there's, there's a gay relationships and as if as if everybody is. No, they're not. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. And when you start looking at the Bible and remember I told you about interpolating, writing things down, reinserting language, changing thoughts and concepts. That's interpolation. When you look at what they have done to move into the church, I mean, I was I was just totally blown away. I had to listen to it three or four times when I heard T.D. Jakes says, when they asked T.D. Jakes on the Huffington Post, can the gay Christian and the church get along? Can homosexuality and the gay and the church get along? Absolutely. I even said it like him. Absolutely. <laughs> because I was floored. I had to listen to it. So I listened to it and I couldn't believe what I heard. See, because if you take a straightforward approach, okay, a straightforward approach, because you can't do that because we don't value. Again, they, they've turned their back on scripture. These guys that get up there and preach race and gender and color and oppressor um, uh, and, and the oppressed and, and everybody, there's always, there's always a weakness. There's always somebody abused. You preach that. You've been jammed up. You've been, you've been, you've been, you've been uh, reprogrammed. When you, when you deny scripture because of feelings and emotions and social, social appropriation ideas that take place of biblical truth, what are you going to do with Leviticus 18, 22, 23? You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. What's an abomination? Tonba is the Hebrew word. It means something disgusting morally, as a noun, as a noun, abhorrence, especially idolatry, moral issues, abominable. It could be a custom and it could be a thing. It could be something you build and it could be something that you think. It's unclean. It's mixed. 
<laughs> the interpretation as mixed, mixed marriages in ethical senses of wickedness. Watch this. It's important. What do you do with that? How do you walk in the Bible and walk out with a different idea? You have to deny it. You have to deny it. When you look at when you look at unrighteousness, which is used in First uh, Corinthians chapter six nine through eleven, you you have you have this idea that transformation is necessary. You can't walk away from this. You can't look in and then walk out and say, "Come out with something different," unless you're gonna unless you're going to what? I said Jesus. Because you already have your you already have your preconceived idea, so you can't conceive a new idea. If you're preconceived, you're already fertile. You're already you're already pregnant with a thought. See, because the idea one of the ideas that they that that they use to pop, pop, <laughs> interpolate God's love is that if God is, again, this is theology by extrapolation. If God is love, then a loving God would not create a hell and put people there. So you extrapolate the laws of God, you pull the love of God, you pull the righteousness of God, you pull the justice of God, you pull transformation, you pull sanctification, you pull holiness out, and therefore, now, because of this, you got that. Because of love, you don't have hell. Because of love, you have everybody accepted. Because you have a, it's called theology by extrapolation. And that's what they use to, to push their agenda. They extrapolate all those things as oppressive. And they pull them out because they don't go with their narrative. They go don't go with their passion. They don't go with their feelings. See, the law of God is extremely important. 1 Corinthians 9, 8 through 10, Paul uses... The, the metaphor of you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads in the grain. He's talking, he's using something that's under the law to bring a truth out. 2 Corinthians 6.14, he uses the ideology of being unequally yoked. That's an Old Testament. The yoke is the Old Testament ideology of working together with somebody. It's yoking the ox. It's the idea of pushing in a field. For what has righteousness with unrighteousness and communion with has light with darkness and what accord was Christ with Belial. You can go on and on where Old Testament law examples okay, are used in the New Testament by Paul. 1 Corinthians 5.18, Paul uses the, the muzzle of the ox. Why? He's using these because these are things that made it, these are truths and principles that are alive and well. See, God's law is good if you look at Deuteronomy 6.24, okay? And the Lord commanded us to observe all the statutes to fear the Lord our God for our, for our good always that He might preserve us that we may live. So the law of God is good so that He may preserve us and that we may live. Deuteronomy 10.13, Deuteronomy 30.15, Deuteronomy 30.19-20, Deuteronomy 30.40-47, the moral laws, okay? The moral and the ceremonial laws. Okay, they're pushed all the way through the Bible. See, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 15, 16, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. He didn't say Old Testament, because it's one scripture. It's one book we made into two. 
Any Hebrew scholar knows that. It's not an Old Testament, New Testament. It's, it's all scriptures. Pan, the Greek word pan, all. All scriptures inspired by God or God breathed, Dionuestos. See, the moral law and the ceremonial law, the, the distinction between the moral and the ceremonial law is not arbitrary. It has a rational required by scripture as it interprets itself. They interpret themselves. The moral law defines justice while ceremonial law guides redemptive restorations. Therefore, the context does not support the automatic dismissal of prohibitions against homosexuality as ceremonial. So it doesn't dismiss this action against homosexuality. There's nothing that automatically dismisses it. So the law that was there is carried into the New Testament under the word, listen, under the idea of what? Unrighteousness. Immorality. Immorality. I'm going to close right here. Because I got 48 minutes, almost 50 minutes. But I, I want to spend this last five minutes here on 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. On this word immorality. Okay? Because it's it's immorality is the Greek word pornos, where you get pornography from. Okay? Listen to this. Okay, this is the this is the definition when you see immorality okay and Paul uses this Paul constantly uses sexual immorality which happens happens to be with your body happens to be with your sexuality he uses his word for the for the man who indulges in unlawful intercourse unlawful Leave that, interpret, reader, interpret, okay? Okay? So the immoral, immoral, sexual immorality is pornos. The prostitute, the debauch, debauchery, fornicators, whoremongers, a man who prostitutes his body to another, to another's lust, a male prostitute, Man who indulges in unlawful intercourse or fornicator. So when you start looking at sexual immorality, it looks at, it looks like all the improprieties. It looks like oh, it looks like all the improprieties that the body can go against against natural functions. Certain things are not natural. First Corinthians chapter six, eighteen through nineteen says, "Flee immorality, sexual immorality. Flee all this stuff." 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That means you separate yourself. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. So when you look at homosexuality, sodomy, it is a dishonor because it's sexually immoral. Not in the passions of of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So now we look at this creation of this perversion that we accept in the church and they don't even know God. That's why Paul writes, if any man preaches another gospel, if you preach a perverted gospel, a different gospel, a twisted gospel, guess what? It doesn't save anybody. This is what's so deadly about bad theology. 
okay? That we, we have lived like the world in a world that doesn't know God. That's Romans chapter 1, 29, that they did not retain God in their knowledge. So we are living like a people that have no knowledge of God in their minds and in their lives as we make decisions on how we live. What we allow in. An unsanctified life. A life that has not, a life that has not stayed away from sexual immorality and what and what it all looks like. Now I'll close right here with Sodom with Jude chapter 7 and 8. This is the I love this because this is the little brother, this is the little brother Jesus. This is the little brother Jesus of Jesus. It says, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. <laughs> you got people dream, living, living this fantasy. It's fantasy. It's emotion. It's feelings. It's passion. It's a rejection of scripture. Reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. That's Jude. It's important for you and I today to understand how we get here. How do we answer this? How do we stay locked, flat-footed on the scriptures and not backpedal from this cultural movement that's going that's come into the church and maybe even in our pulpits ask the people around you do a survey what do you think of, of can you be gay and be saved listen to people listen to them that's why we need to re-educate ourselves because you got you got people that go to college even even in the most conservative um, seminaries ask them about this question Ask them, can you be gay and be saved? Is homosexuality a sin? Ask them. And see what they tell you. And then you start understanding why we need to preach the gospel. While Paul tells Timothy, um, be careful for false teachers. Be careful for bad doctrine. You know, be careful for, for these things. Preserve the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Suffer well. Those that live righteous will suffer persecution. Those are give me's. So again, the 11th commandment Christian. Oh, God wouldn't send anybody to hell because God is love. And a loving God would not do that. We need to grow up. We need to reestablish ourselves and plant our feet straight in scriptures. And learn to say, because God said so, well, God bless you. We'll talk to you next week on Prophetic Whispers. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.